hey, if you want a firearm that is easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Now, it is a portable rifle that you can put together, take apart in just minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case that it comes in. It's so small, you can store it pretty much anywhere. And it's light enough to carry everywhere. Now, it comes in black and two different camo patterns. And you can pick one up for three to 400 bucks, depending on the finish. Check out their videos. Go to their website. It's one word, henryusa.com slash survival. And while you're there, make sure you order their free catalog. Now, Henry makes more than 200 rifles and shotguns and revolvers, all made in America, all backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website, henryusa.com. Get their free catalog. They'll send you free decals and a list of dealers where you are. That's henryusa.com. Free catalog decals for the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Born on America's darkest day, 9-11-01, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping American heroes ever since. And when a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young kids are left behind, well, Tunnel to Towers, they pay the mortgage on the family home off to lift that financial burden. Now, for catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds, well, mortgage-free smart homes. That enables severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently And through the Foundation's Homeless Vets Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless vets. More than 3,300 were helped last year alone. And people who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities, they need your help more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate 11 bucks a month. Go to their website. It's the letter T, the number 2, the letter T.org, the letter T, the number 2, the letter T.org. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. Hey, with optimism once again on the rise in America, the working people of this country are more important than ever. On the job from hired to retired, it's a new podcast from our friends at Express Employment Professionals that digs into the lives of men and women at work and explores their journeys as they fight to make the American dream a reality. Now check out the new podcast, On the Job from Hired to Retired, on iHeartRadio, iTunes, or wherever you you download your favorite podcasts or just go to expresspros.com slash podcast for more information. All right, just moments moments ago, the president uh, spoke to the press. I believe he's in Bedminster in New Jersey as everyone's reporting on vacation, on vacation. Maybe my fury threat wasn't tough enough, Trump say, and he just said this moments ago. Let me air the whole thing because he also talks about Mitch McConnell, and I think there's a lot of news value here for our stations across the Sean Hannity Show network. It's about seven minutes. This is the president. He also is expected to speak at four. If there's redundancy, we likely won't take it, but let me just air this now. We're having some meetings. I know you're going to be watching a couple of them. We have a lot of people here today. A lot of subjects under discussion, including Venezuela, including, of course, North Korea and other things. And I think we're making tremendous headway. Uh, We'll be spending quite a bit of time here. And then we uh, 
During the weekend, as you know, toward the end, we go into Manhattan, where I have a lot of meetings scheduled in Manhattan. Any questions? Mr. President, the North Koreans uh, said yesterday that your statement on Tuesday was nonsense. That's the word that they used. Do you have any response to that? Well, I don't think they mean that, and I think they, uh, it's the first time they've heard it like they heard it. Uh, and frankly, uh, the people that were questioning that statement, was it too tough? Maybe it wasn't tough enough. They've been doing this to our country for a long time, for many years. And it's about time that somebody stuck up for the people of this country and for the people of other countries. So, uh, if anything, maybe that statement wasn't tough enough. And we're backed by 100% by our military. We're backed by everybody. And we're backed by many other leaders. And I noticed that many senators and others today came out very much in favor of what I said. But if anything, that statement may not be tough enough. What would be tougher than hiring? Well, you'll see. You'll see. Mr. President, is one of the options being considered a preemptive strike? We don't talk about that. I never do. I'm not like the other administration that would say we're going into Mosul in four months. I don't talk about it. We'll see what happens. But I can tell you that what they've been doing and what they've been getting away with is a tragedy, and it can't be allowed. We'll always consider negotiations, but they've been negotiating now for 25 years. Look at Clinton. He folded on the negotiations. He was weak and ineffective. You look what happened with Bush. You look what happened with Obama. Obama, he didn't even want to talk about it. But I talk. It's about time. Somebody has to do it. Somebody has to do it. talk about your relationship with I just want him to get repeal and replace done. I've been hearing repeal and replace now for seven years, but I've only been doing this for two years. And I've really only been doing this for six months, but I've been running. So now it's almost two years. And all I hear is repeal and replace. And then I get there and I said, where's the bill? I want to sign it first day. And they don't have it. And they passed repeal and replace, but they never had a president, frankly, or a Senate that was going to do it, but they never had a president, so it didn't matter. So I say very simply, where is repeal and replace? Now I want tax reform and tax cuts. We're going to reduce taxes for the people. We pay more tax than anybody in the world, and we're going to reduce taxes. So I say tax cuts, tax reform, and I want a very big infrastructure bill where we're working on that very hard already, and we can do that. And we may even get bipartisan on infrastructure, but we want to have it. But I said, Mitch, get to work and let's get it done. They should have had this last one done. They lost by one vote. For a thing like that to happen is a disgrace. And frankly, it, it shouldn't have happened. That I can tell you. It shouldn't Senator have happened. McConnell considered stepping down as majority leader. There's some conservative analysts, including Sean Hannity, say it's time for him to retire. Well, I'll tell you what. If he doesn't get repeal and replace done, and if he doesn't get taxes done, meaning cuts and reform, and if he doesn't get Wait a minute, did I just come up? Get done infrastructure, if he doesn't get them done, then you can ask me that question. So what is that? 
You can ask me the question. That means ask me that question. Let's hope he gets it. The opioid crisis is an emergency, and I'm saying officially right now it is an emergency. It's a national emergency. We're going to spend a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of money on the opioid crisis. We're going to draw it up, and we're going to make it a national emergency. Uh, It is a serious problem, the likes of which we have never had. You know, when I was growing up, they had the LSD and they had certain generations of drugs. There's never been anything like what's happened to this country over the last four or five years. And I have to say this, in all fairness, this is a worldwide problem, not just a United States problem. This is happening worldwide. But this is a national emergency, and we are drawing documents now to so attest. There are no mixed messages. There are no mixed messages. I heard, uh, I mean, to be honest, uh, General Mattis may have taken it a step beyond what I said. Uh, there are no mixed messages. And Rex was just, you know, stating the view. But look, here's the view. I said it yesterday. I don't have to say it again. And I'll tell you this. It may be tougher than I said it, not less. It may very well be tougher than I said it. Okay? How about one more? Can you offer any assurance to the American people who are understandably anxious about the situation with North Korea? They see images of these missiles coming up in the air, the threats are calm, they see your statement about fire and fury. Should they be comfortable that you have this under- The people of this country should be very comfortable. And I will tell you this, if North Korea does anything in terms of even thinking about attack of anybody that we love or we represent or our allies or us, they can be very, very nervous. I'll tell you what, and they should be very nervous because things will happen to them like they never thought possible, okay? He's been pushing the world around for a long time, and I have great respect for what China and what Russia did and those 15, we got a 15 to nothing vote. I have great respect for China and Russia, what they did on sanctions. I believe that will have an effect. I don't think it will have the kind of effect, even though I was the one, we were the ones that got it. And Nikki Haley did a great job. We all did a great job. But I have great respect for what they did. I have great respect for the 15 to nothing. But probably it will not be as effective as a lot of people think it can be, unfortunately. I think China can do a lot more, yes. China can. And I think China will do a lot more. Look, we have trade with China. We lose hundreds of billions of dollars a year on trade with China. They know how I feel. It's not going to continue like that. But if China helps us, I feel a lot differently toward trade. A lot differently toward trade. So we will uh, do, I think, the people of our country are safe, our allies are safe, and I will tell you this, North Korea better get their act together or they're going to be in trouble like few nations ever have been in trouble in this world. Okay? Thank you very much. We're going down to the other side and we will, uh, we're going to take a few more questions. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. All right. That's expected to take place at four o'clock. I'm so glad I played it. Uh, I was preparing and watching on the periphery. I didn't hear my name mentioned until later. Who asked that question? Do we know? Nobody knows in there? All right, you guys, we'll figure it out a little later. It's not about me, but it was a question about a lot of very forceful talk about North Korea. 
You know, people ask me all the time, well, Hannity, you're a big Trump supporter. Well, there's a reason in that seven-minute clip we just played why I support the president. Because, number one, he is he's right about North Korea. And Kim Jong-il and Kim Jong-un and, and the grandfather, they've all pushed around the United States of America and the world and blackmailed everybody into giving them billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars. And now there are people in Washington, well, we've got to see what he wants. We don't want to agitate this man and annoy him and frustrate him. These bombastic comments of the president will only further isolate him. And then you got hypocrites. You know, we we now have tape, and I'll get to it later in the program today. We actually have tape of people like John McCain and Maxine Waters all saying, we got to take out North Korea, except when Donald Trump's the president. Well, what do I like about what are the qualities there that he's showing that I like its strength, its determination, its urgency. It's, hey, Senator McConnell, get your act together. Uh, I mean, it is so pathetic. And he's willing to call out his own party. He's standing up for the American people. He has an identity. He has an agenda. He has principles. They're no different than the things he was saying on the campaign trail. And, well, Hannity, why do you, you know, the never Trumpers attacking me all during the campaign. They're just hoping that Donald Trump falls on his face so that they can wag their fingers in the faces of American people and say, see, we're so far superior in our intellectual acumen that we can, can eat caviar uh, in little biscuits and, and champagne dream you to death. We're so much, so, so superior. Like, look, go to Mitch McConnell's comments yesterday. Can you bring me in a, a verbatim of that? Mitch McConnell yesterday. Mitch McConnell was all over the place. You know, I'm oh. for show of hands, but I know everybody's saying we've been there, haven't done anything, which uh, I find extremely irritating. And I'm going to tell you why. Well, McConnell. stop right there. You haven't done anything. Now, I will give credit where credit's due. On Neil Gorsuch, Mitch McConnell was great. But the health care issue and the rest of the agenda is a disgrace. And there's no sense of urgency. And in the meantime, the American people are being failed. Now, let me just finish one thought, then we'll get back to McConnell. The, the thought is, well, Hannity, why do you like the president? Because I agree with him on being tough against North Korea and stop letting these rogue dictatorships pushing us around. And I'm not, I don't want any military action against North Korea unless it's a thousand percent necessary. And that means that that the potential that he's going to launch weapons at New York City or Boston or Hawaii or Guam. A friend of mine in Hawaii writes me today and, and literally says to me, uh, yeah, CNN's acting like the sirens are going off randomly because of North Korea. They're not. That happens once a month. <laughs> these cable channels are awful. And then the second thing is, I agree with the president on tax cuts. I agree with the 15% corporate rate repatriation of, of trillions for multinationals. I agree with the middle class tax cut. I agree with repeal and replace. I agree with energy independence. I agree with ending burdensome regulations of Obama, which which he has done and done extraordinarily well. I love the fact that we have the lowest number of people on food stamps in seven years and a million jobs have already been created and we still don't even have the Congress doing their part yet. I love all of that. That's all good for America. I, I want the energy career jobs that pay 
70, 80, 90, 100, and much more a year, and they become careers for people. I want the border secure. I want, I want to identify America's enemies and the world's enemies and those that would strap bombs on their own kids. I don't want to be dependent on countries that practice Sharia and hate our guts for the life source and lifeblood of our economy. It's not even it's not about the personality. But then, you know, you hear the president in a moment like that. I'm like, finally, somebody has some courage and they're not tiptoeing like they're on walking on broken glass and saying, oh, please, Mr. Kim Jong-un, please, please, can I bribe you? Can I offer you millions? What if we gave you a trillion? Will you pretty, 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 please be nice to us? Because that's what everybody else has tried. And that's what got us to this position. You know, Bill Clinton promising, oh, this is a great deal for the American people. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. A little late here for our cock stations around the Sean Hannity Show Network. Let not your heart be troubled. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And, of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster. I stay asleep longer. And now you can, too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity. And Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has the special four-pack. Now, you get 40% off two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off. And that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show, president very forcefully coming out and laying down the gauntlet as it relates to North Korea and how they have bullied the world and how he's not going to be bullied. And perhaps even the language about fury wasn't even strong enough. He's also coming out as it relates to Mitch McConnell. Now, there's there's so much about North Korea that really grabs my attention today. Do you know there's a report out today, foxnews.com, that, in fact, the Obama administration knew about North Korea's miniaturized nukes. And during a a 2013 Armed Services Committee hearing, Congressman Doug Lamborn of Colorado revealed several unclassified sentences from a DAI uh, report that said they had determined with moderate confidence that North Korea had the capability to make a nuclear weapon small enough to be launched with a ballistic missile. Well, now we know the missiles are bigger. And now we're being told they can reach New York City. And now we're being told they can reach Boston and Guam and Hawaii and the west coast of uh, the United States, the continental United States. And, uh, you know, God bless Susan Rice. I guess she's done unmasking for a while. And, and she seems uh, that she wants to weigh in. And she's urging Donald Trump to tolerate nuclear weapons in North Korea. Really? Tolerate it? Should we just tolerate a nuclear-armed Iran, which her and her boss helped navigate? The very same things, challenges we're facing today, and I'm saying there's no good solutions, are going to be the exact same challenges we face down the road with mullahs in Iran. Why? Because, Because of the plane loads of cash and other currency and the billions and billions and billions of dollars that Obama sent from you, the American taxpayer, to the mullahs. 
you know, if you if you look at the questions, the, the there there's only so far appeasement can get you. And when Bill Clinton said that there's a good deal for American people and they're not going to get nuclear weapons, blah, blah, blah. Well, that was wrong. Oopsie daisy. Yeah, now we got a madman with nuclear weapons. No good options. Actually, tonight we're doing an examination. Are there good options? I'm going to explain that tonight. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Got a lot more in the news of the day. The president is expected to speak in an hour. When he does, if he does, and it's newsworthy, we'll take it. And much more right here on The Sean Hannity Show. I just want him to get repeal and replace done. I've been hearing repeal and replace now for seven years, but I've only been doing this for two years. And I've really only been doing this for six months, but I've been running. So now it's almost two years. And all I hear is repeal and replace. And then I get there and I said, where's the bill? I want to sign it first day. And they don't have it. And they passed repeal and replace, but they never had a president, frankly, or a Senate that was going to do it. But they never had a president, so it didn't matter. So I say very simply, where is repeal and replace? Now I want tax reform and tax cuts. We're going to reduce taxes for the people. We pay more tax than anybody in the world, and we're going to reduce taxes. So I say tax cuts, tax reform, and I want a very big infrastructure bill where we're working on that very hard already, and we can do that. And we may even get bipartisan on infrastructure, but we want to have it. But I said, Mitch, get to work and let's get it done. They should have had this last one done. They lost by one vote. For a thing like that to happen is a disgrace. And frankly, it, it shouldn't have happened. That I can tell you. It shouldn't Senator have happened. Senator McConnell considered stepping down as majority leader. There's some conservative analysts, including Sean Hannity, say it's time for him to retire. Well, I'll tell you what, if he doesn't get repeal and replace done, and if he doesn't get taxes done, meaning cuts and reform, and if he doesn't get a very easy one to get done infrastructure, if he doesn't get them done, then you can ask me that question. All right, that was in a response to a question about, I guess, me saying McConnell just needs to, it's pathetic. You know, let's just listen to tone and cadence there for just a second beyond the principle, because you have Mitch McConnell and of course, you know, I know we've been hearing, this is my Mitch McConnell, you know, we've been hearing, I have not been, we haven't done anything. I find this irritating. I find this extremely irritating to me as a respected senator. A Congress goes for two years, two, not one, two. And I think the storyline is that we haven't done much. And that's the president's fault. They've set these early timelines. And things need to be done by a certain point. Now, our president, he has not been in my line of work before. I have been in the swamp my whole life. Be nice. I'm Stop being, being mean. Is that mean? Because you know you what? Make I, him sound like a Bond villain. I, have, I don't know what I'm doing. So this liberal journalist calls me today, and I start doing my imitations. And the person starts laughing. I forget who I was doing. I did all my talk show hosts. I'm John McCain. I'm John McCain. I just, I'm so angry. Angry, 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 but I'm not angry. <laughs> he is so angry. Visiting to him is just ridiculous. I'll play a tape of him saying, bomb, 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 Iran. Bomb, 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 Syria. Now, if they get a nuclear weapon... 
when do we send them? All right, we'll play it. We'll play it later. So now our president, he's not been in my line of work before. I find this so extraordinarily irritating. All right, should I do that voice? Do you like that one better? Uh, it, uh, with Congress goes on for two years, Mr. President, two years. Don't you know how things work around here? Oh, uh, and you're saying we haven't done much. Uh, the president and these these rabble houses on radio that John McCain says can go straight to hell. You know, they've put in this artificial timeline. We're busy. I'm getting the vapors. And I'm just, oh. It is so frustrating. After nine months, the expectations are just so high. The president has unrealistic expectations. After seven long years, I need a little bit of time. I've got to get out of bed, put my pants on one leg at a time. These shirts, as I get older, are just so burdensome. Oh, and the tie. I've got to pick the perfect tie. I've got to. It takes time every day to pick the perfect tie. Then it's time for a martini. And then it's time for lunch. Although today perhaps we'll have caviar because we actually had a vote that went nowhere. But at least it's a vote. We're making progress. And he goes, our president, he's not been in this line of work. He's a, frankly, he's, he sounds rather blue-collar, boorish to me. A little bit crude. He talks like... Yeah, he's even mentioned locker room talk. <laughs> we saved that for the Senate cloakroom. What 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 would that be talking about? And we say it with a little more sophistication, shall we say. Anyway, so part of the reason that we feel like we're unperforming, artificial deadlines, ladies and gentlemen. Artificial. Unrelated uh, to the reality of the complexity of the legislative process. It's not fully understood by those dumb masses that voted for Donald Trump and read National Review online and, and they think their heads are just and the news is just rise so high above mere mortals. Oh, excuse me. So I'm asking you, judge us in two years. I'll come back. I will talk after Christmas. <laughs> Why ruin the fall? Fall is a good month. You can watch football, drinking, parties, little polo, foliage. Oh, jeez. You know, how much we've done to make America competitive again. All right, I'm done. You get my point. I just can't take it. Now, what I heard in the president, which is a characteristic I like and I think is realistic. He's had it. And you know what? You know who's more in touch with the real people in this country? That would be the president. Yeah, the billionaire guy that could have kept his big private jet and made more money and, and you know, you know benefited from the better economy we have, et cetera, et cetera. That's him. And he's like, oh, get this done. Let's go. Seven and a half years. It's eight months in. What the hell's wrong with you people? You're fired. You're fired. That's how real people live. Now, some of you listening to me right now, you're construction workers. There's some guy right now on a construction site saying, Hannity's talking to me. And I'm on a ladder. Well, that's how I found a love for talk radio myself. So I get it. And I'd, be, I'd actually be 40 on a 40-foot ladder calling into talk show hosts. The talk show hosts. 
I swear to God, that happened when the first cell phones first came out. Yeah, those big, bulky things, you know, that like that, crazy. Or I'd go inside the per- person's house that I was working on, and I'd use their phone when they weren't home, and I'd call into a talk radio show. All right, Jerry Williams show. Uh, stay on hold, please. I'm like, oh, you gotta hurry. I gotta go to the bathroom. I gotta run. The mom and dad might come home. I might get caught. Oh, I was just using your bathroom, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Sorry, I know I should be working right now. Good thing I don't charge by the hour. But it's true. Anyway, I'm just saying that at the end of the day, if they can't get this done, the president's right. It's pathetic. You're fired. It's just pathetic. And he's calling them out. Just like he's not backing down. You know, if you're a construction worker, you have to get your job done. Jason is preparing all these audio cuts all day. He's got to get his job done. He can't say to me, oh, boss, the, the process of taking the tape, cracking it out of the shows, off the Internet. Oh, boss, uh, I'll get it done in uh, after eight months. We don't live in that world. I keep saying none, nobody here goes to lunch any day. All these people in Washington, they go out to lunch. You know, when Washington's busy, it's not at night. I guess they're all hooking up at night. I don't know what they're doing at night. I have no idea. They're drinking. They're doing. They're going out to their expensive dinners with their lobbyist friends, Democrats and Republicans. They're martini lunches. Who has a martini lunch? I, sometimes I, I will confess I'll play golf early in the morning about 7, and we might have a Bloody Mary by 8. But I did not say that. And then I go home and nap it off like 10 at 10.30 because I'm tired. And I, I worked the night before, so I'm already exhausted because I only went to sleep at 3. But you get my point. It's just ridiculous. And you know who suffers? The American people suffer. We always get back to that, don't we? That the American people suffer. We need more time and off oh, the legislative complications of the legislative process. Ugh. That's so frustrating. Ed Klein, who used to work with uh, Time Magazine, is reporting that, in fact, um, his best-selling author says the Trump Justice Department may have reopened the investigation into Hillary emails. That's getting interesting. We have some information on the judge apparently knows Loretta Lynch, and this is the judge that, remember, Robert Mueller put all of the, the grand jury in a place where the president got a little over 4% of the vote in Washington, D.C. Great. You got 24 people impaneled there, two dozen people. And uh, anyway, they'll be the ones grilling witnesses and demanding Trump associate documents. And the, the judge in this case behind the scenes is Beryl Howell. And by the way, we find out not only knows Loretta Lynch, she worked for the Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee. Some say she's a straight arrow, but let's see. We've got eight Mueller lawyers, one that has conflict, and and eight of them that donated to the Democrats and Hillary and Obama, and one that actually worked for the Clinton Foundation, and then the rest of them, none of them donated to a Republican. Now we got a Democratic judge that worked on the Senate Judiciary Committee. Oh, that's great. Anyway, we'll find out what happens there. Uh, She worked for Pat Leahy. Oh, okay. She's like Mueller. Oh, that gives me confidence. He wouldn't ask for it unless he had more than enough evidence to justify it, and she wouldn't grant it unless he did. Yeah, I'm so, so happy. Anyway, the grand jury put together, who knows what they're going to end up doing. 
Andy McCarthy, he's warning this is really bad, and Andy's a pretty smart guy, one of the few people I actually like at National Review now. Had it with all those people. They're just hoping and praying that they can stick their fingers in the face of Americans, and then you're so stupid. You voted for Trump. I like the Trump agenda. I like his plan on taxes. Middle-class cuts, corporate cuts, repatriation cuts. I like the idea of energy independence. I like repeal and replace with free market solutions, as the president talked about. I like building a wall. I like identifying our enemies. I like peace through strength. Sounds an awful like, like an awful lot like Reagan. Education back to the states, but I guess he doesn't. Well, they actually, it was conservative. You know when the term amiable dunce came up about Reagan? That was from arrogant, elitist establishment Republicans against Reagan. Now, if Republicans would actually help, they'd benefit themselves politically. And if they don't get it done, they'll hurt themselves politically. And on top of that, the American people will suffer and they will have squandered the opportunity of a generation to have significant positive change for the country. Now, in spite of all of that, there's actually some good news today. You know, we told you about a seven-year low in terms of those people on food stamps in the country. Job openings have now hit an all-time high, according to CNBC. And by the way, I know all you hear about is Russia, Russia, but there were more job openings in America in in the last month than in any other time they started keeping records. Oh, Donald Trump, energizing business, getting rid of needless waste, fraud, abuse, and regulation, Obama-era regulation. Also, Trump, 9,000 federal employees have been slashed in his first six months. Rasmussen has him at 44% approval rating. Not bad. You don't hear about that. His immigration bill has significant support. 61%. I'm sorry, 62%. Oh, sorry. Another bad bit of news. Good news for Trump, bad news for Republicans. I hope they're getting an earful from you when they go home, when they're home now. A judge has ordered the State Department to keep searching for Hillary's emails. The feds sought cooperation from Manafort's son-in-law. Good grief. Wow, this is getting so ugly. All right. Are they going to try and flip Manafort? You know what these prosecutors do all the time? Well, we're just going to put your wife in jail. We're going to put your kids in jail. Well, do you want to go to jail? Who wants to go to jail? Well, if you give us information on person A, B, or C, we'll take your jail time away. Some unethical people might do that. Scooter Libby wouldn't do it. They wanted him to lie about the vice president. He wouldn't do it. Japan has now vowed to shoot down Korean missiles. Obama administration knew about Korea's miniaturized nukes. Susan Rice is urging tolerance on nuclear weapons. And we got Democrats now saying, oh, don't don't piss them off. Maybe we can offer them money. Maybe we can bribe them. That's how we got in this position. How stupid are you people? You're you're dumb. You're very dumb. You're not intelligent at all. It's a little scary how dumb some of these people are. But they're out there. Fusion GPS, by the way, continues to stonewall the Senate Judiciary Committee. Where did the little hooker urinating on the bed dossier come from in Russia? Who paid for that crap? By the way, sources, Russians. Democrats pay for it. Let's find out who paid for it. All right, as we rock and roll and move along, President, again, expected to speak, spoke about a little over an hour, about an hour ago, actually. And we played that for you at the top of the last hour. He's going to speak again, and uh, if it's worthwhile, newsworthy, we're going to cover it for you live. Why? Because that's what we do. News, information, 
opinion you don't get anywhere else. Then we're going to have the latest on North Korea. We'll have an update on whether or not what's happening with this general counsel is fair. Is there equal justice under the law? Joe DeGeneva, Greg Jarrett, Buzz Patterson, Lieutenant Colonel McInerney, Jonathan Gillum, Rick Unger, and Mo Brooks. North Korea best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. He has been very threatening uh, beyond a normal state. And as I said, they will be met with fire, fury, and frankly, power, the likes of which this world has never seen before. Thank you. Mr. President, the North Koreans uh, said yesterday that your statement on Tuesday was nonsense. That's the word that they used. Do you have any response to that? Well, I don't think they mean that. And I think they, uh, it's the first time they've heard it like they heard it. Uh, and frankly, uh, the people that were questioning that statement, was it too tough? Maybe it wasn't tough enough. They've been doing this to our country for a long time, for many years. And it's about time that somebody stuck up for the people of this country and for the people of other countries. So, uh, if anything, maybe that statement wasn't tough enough. And we're backed by 100% by our military. We're backed by everybody. And we're backed by many other leaders. And I noticed that many senators and others today came out very much in favor of what I said. But if anything, that statement may not be tough enough. That statement, fire and fury, may not be tough enough. And you hear an urgency and a resolve in the president's voice. This is why I like the president. This is why I hate all the swamp people, because they're not strong. They're afraid. And we don't want to make him mad. He might get mad at us. I don't, you know, oh, gee, oh, I'm afraid. Well, that's what got us into this mess. Meanwhile, you got people like Mad Dog Mattis, you know, literally telling North Korea that, okay, we'll incinerate your ass and, and you better stop messing with us in the world and blackmailing us in the world and threatening everybody's lives. I mean, it's this is not that hard to deal with. All the appeasement that led up to this hasn't worked. Just like the appeasement of Iran is going to be proven not to work. North Korea deploying anti-ship cruise missiles. Now we're told that they have weaponry that can actually reach the continental United States. One of the things that struck me, Dr. Gorka was on last night and, and on Hannity and Dr. Gorka I got to add one other piece of Trump blasted Mueller's pre-dawn raid as a gross abuse of Manafort's home. Only one, I think, besides me that realized, hey, Paul Manafort made a mistake not deleting everything like Hillary that subpoenaed and not bleach bit acid washing everything like Hillary and not, you know, smashing, you know, devices with hammers like Hillary and not sending the FBI devices without SIM cards. Anyway. Well, it wasn't Trump. It was actually Trump's lawyer blasting the and saying it, it, it literally. And this is right. This guy's name is John Dowd. And he said it's an abuse of the judicial process for the shake of for sake of shock value. It's like if I ever get arrested, there's going to be cameras. I'm going to be perp walked, handcuffed, mugshotted, mugshot released immediately to the press. And they, they that's they it, you know, that's why I pay my taxes. I, that's why I do everything right, because I just I know how this works. If you're a conservative, you get screwed. If you're a liberal, you get a free pass like Hillary and Wasserman Schultz and the IT guy and and Comey and the FBI general counsel. And let's see, Susan Rice, Ben Rhodes, 
uh, Samantha Power, Clapper, Brennan, and all the unmasking people and all the leaking people and Uranium One deal people, they all get away with everything. The Ukrainian embassy people, everyone gets away with everything. Not so fast. Tick-tock. 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 Joining us now, are there other alternatives to what is going on with North Korea? I've been saying there's no good options. General McInerney is with us, and General McInerney, former pilot, commander, and strategic planner in the U.S. Air Force. Also joining us, Lieutenant Colonel Buzz Patterson. Remember, he carried the nuclear football for President Clinton, author of the bestseller, Dereliction of Duty, an eyewitness account of how Bill Clinton compromised America's national security. Buzz, I guess that's... uh, well, I really should said, Colonel. It, it, I, I, for, forgive my familiarity, um, but uh, Colonel, I'm really thinking, uh, Colonel Patterson. I'm really beginning to think here that wow, everything Bill Clinton said this when he announced this great deal with North Korea. Before I take your questions, I'd like to say just a word about the framework with North Korea that Ambassador Gallucci signed this morning. This is a good deal for the United States. North Korea will freeze and then dismantle its nuclear program. South Korea and our other allies will be better protected. The entire world will be safer as we slow the spread of nuclear weapons. South Korea, with support from Japan and other nations, will bear most of the cost of providing North Korea with fuel to make up for the nuclear energy it is losing. And they will pay for an alternative power system for North Korea that will allow them to produce electricity while making it much harder for them to produce nuclear weapons. The United States and international inspectors will carefully monitor North Korea to make sure it keeps its commitments. Only as it does so will North Korea fully join the community of nations. Yeah, a lot of good that is. Colonel Buzz Patterson, your reaction? Well, Sean, I've been talking about this for 25 years, and I think uh, you just laid it out perfectly. Uh, in addition to signing that agreement with uh, North Korea, we actually gave North Korea $4 billion and provided them with two additional reactors, which they've, they've uh, been using, obviously, to crank out these weapons over the last 10, 20 years. So we've shown time and time again in this country that appeasement does not work. We're paying for it in North Korea today. We're paying for it in Iran. And uh, it's time for someone like Donald Trump to step up, call a state a spade, and let's get to work. And I, you know, I, again, I would not want to be on the receiving end of the arsenal that we have should this guy decide to, uh, to punch our buttons. I like the strength, General McInerney, that the president showed today and the resolve he showed today, although everybody else is scared to death. All, all these years of appeasement have not borne any fruit, has it? No, it hasn't, Sean. And uh, this is uh, President Trump's Cuban Missile Crisis because it's a balance of power that the Chinese have been breeding and growing North Korea to do this, just as the Russians have been working with Iran. Now, let me explain this. Iran and North Korea are nuclear proxies for both Russia and China. And what does that mean? Let's say we've heard they have 50 nuclear or 60 nuclear warheads, and they get 50 missiles in the ground, which the Obama administration would have said they could do and we just use the strategy of mutual assured destruction. You've heard of that. Of course. Well, say they fire, they fire off 50 of them, we knock out 40, and 10 of them hit U.S. cities, and we destroy North Korea. Well, what do you think the Russians and Chinese are going to do? Our economy is in shambles. 
we're a mess after 10 nukes hit us. And the Russians and Chinese are sitting there and smiling because we paid to arm both Iran and North Korea with nuclear weapons. This is insane. And we finally got a president, I think, that is coming to grips with it. It's the American public or media does not want to admit that it is a balance of power shift. It is his Cuban Missile Crisis. And he's going to have to stand up, and and we're going to have to do a number of things to make this change, and one of them, and be successful. One of them is to recall the Congress today, get them back in and make them pass the FY18 defense bill, because we cannot continue our buildup on continuing resolutions. And we've got to form a Pacific Area Treaty Organization, just like NATO, but to contain not only North Korea, but contain China. China is the problem, and they are breeding this animal that we have in North Korea. And and so those two that, fundamental high-level things is what we've got to do. Is there any good option, General? Yes. What is it? Go back on nuclear alert at Guam with B-2s and B-52s. Negotiate with South Korea and put our theater nuclear forces back on alert. In South Korea, as they had when I was a DCS operations intelligence for Pacific Air Forces, increase our THAAD force structure in South Korea, build up our Air Force and Naval and Marine Corps forces in the region, and declare, and get this one, Sean, declare any missile launches from North Korea have to be, uh, we say, are hostile because of what Kim Jong-un said about attacking Guam, and we will hit them as a target before they get airborne. He must make sure that we will no longer tolerate that he launch any more missiles because of his declaration to hit Guam, and we don't know where they're going to go until they've been in the air for a while. So, so we have no choice. And by the way, if one, if one artillery round comes out of North Korea onto Seoul, he gets our full nuclear retaliatory capability. Make sure he understands that. That artillery is no longer valid because when we retaliate, we're going to retaliate with nuclear weapons. But when I say no good option, and I want to get to to General Patterson in a second, when I say no good option, if we have to strike, even if we have a coalition of the willing, if we have to strike, we're going to incinerate that place. The nuclear fallout, correct me if I'm wrong, even if we'd, we'd use you know, buster, uh, bunker bombs and other other technologies is is the fallout potential is dramatic. I mean, potentially, am I right or overstating the fact that millions could potentially die here? Yeah, but they'll be mostly North Koreans. What about South Koreans? What about the Japanese? What about nuclear fallout making its way well, to China? You, you can... can contain that look how many how, how do you contain nuclear, nuclear fallout though how do you do that well you you contain it with with air bursts and the size of the weapons look how mm-hmm. many weapons we dropped on japan and we were in there weeks later okay let me... I'm, not, I'm not saying it's not going to be a problem but it's a problem that we can handle compared to the nuclear weapons hitting u.s cities this president has been left with zero options in my opinion and the fact is, is unless he starts taking these actions, and the things I said I would do them, except for the two of recalling the Congress and PATO, Pacific Area Treaty Organization, 
I would do in secret. The Russians and Chinese will pick it up with their satellites. General Patterson, let me bring him back. I'm sorry, uh, Colonel Pat. I'm sorry, Colonel. That's twice. You ought to you ought to throw me in the in the break. I'll take the promotion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's up, Car- yeah. Colonel? Yeah, I agree with uh, General McInerney. You know, uh, almost to a T. I I, I would also uh, like to open up option there where we actually did a preemptive um, tactical strike um, prior to getting that um, down that farther down the uh, the, the spectrum in terms of actual nuclear weapons. I think we could take care of his capability, knock him off the grid, uh, take care of things along those lines. And, but I, do, I will tell you, I warned the audience, too, you know, having been the nuclear football carrier and seeing how quickly we have to make those decisions uh, if we are, in fact, fired upon, it's going to be a matter of a handful of minutes. It's not going to be hours or days or weeks. It's going to be minutes. And the process has to work um, exceptionally well and it has to work very, very quickly. Um, so if it, if it does happen in the middle of the night, it's going to be a no kidding. This is real. Make a decision. Go time. Yeah, it's so scary. You know, if you care about human life, this is so scary. This is chilling, actually. All right, guys, stay right there. We really appreciate it. I won't make another mistake. We got Colonel Buzz Patterson, Colonel Thomas McInerney. Also coming up, we've got the legal aspects of everything with Greg Jarrett, Joe DeGeneva, uh, the president speaking today, Mo Brooks. We've got so much going on today. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity show, we continue. You know, no good options, as I've been saying. Uh, we continue with Colonel Buzz, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Buzz Patterson, Lieutenant General Thomas McInerney. And, you know, General McInerney, I just, I guess my, my greatest fear is, do you see any scenario to get out of this short of a lot of people dying? Well, yes, if we do what I described, I think the Chinese are going to realize that we are serious and we will not tolerate a nuclear North Korea. It will be up to them to make that decision. They created the monster, and they can defang the monster. But that will be up to them. Otherwise... But you don't see that happening, I mean, especially with all the saber-rattling by Kim Jong-un, do you? I I think that uh, they do not want us to destroy and unify South Korea. Uh, Excuse me, South and North Korea. And that's what this is going to lead to. So I think that uh, President Xi is going to come to his senses, figure out he finally got caught with his hand in the cookie jar, and we will not accept that or tolerate it. And we, we will go, may go to the brink, and we may have to go. And let me just say, without getting too sensitive, because President, what the ability to respond to that North Korea artillery with nuclear weapons can be pre-given to the theater commander at the National Military Command Authorities to see the situation, and they do it. And that's all I want to say, that it can be a very quick response. I don't understand what you're saying. Can you say that a little bit? In other words, that the, the, the decision could be made ahead of time. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Okay, understood. Uh, and, and delegated to the theater commander. Well, I mean, aren't they the ones that would know best? I mean, but uh, in other words, especially with a quick emerging situation on the ground, Lieutenant Colonel Buzz Patterson, uh, your thoughts on that? Well, uh, General McInerney is correct. We could delegate that. President Bush, uh, President Trump could delegate that. Uh, the way the process is designed currently, um, that would work tactically. 
in terms of um, going again down the spectrum uh, to uh, full-blown Armageddon, uh, that's where the president would have to play a role, and that's where the nuclear codes come in, which, by the way, Bill Clinton lost during my time there. Um, but President Trump has, and the military aid right there with the football. It's a, it's a very complex process. It goes through the National Military Command Center in the Pentagon, and it goes out to the, uh, the uh, unified commanders and sinks. And, uh, mm-hmm. again, it has to happen very, very quickly. But you could, I gotta run. could authorize, he could authorize uh, a tactical predecision in terms of a response. All right, when we come back, thank you both. We'll check in with uh, Greg Jarrett, Joe DeGeneva, Rick Unger, Jonathan Gillum. you want but you can get sean hannity online at hannity.com of words north korea threatens to attack the u.s territory of guam after president trump warns the regime with his harshest language yet Meanwhile, the president's strong language is being criticized by leading lawmakers of both parties. Democrat Dianne Feinstein calling his rhetoric bombastic and saying diplomacy is the only path. Republican John McCain cautioning Trump against making empty threats. Is this the president giving Kim Jong-un a taste of his own medicine, maybe his own vocabulary? Or is it is it going to make a bad situation worse? Is it dangerous? I mean, do, do the words matter in this context? Let's not dismiss the words so quickly. We all remember shock and awe yeah. in Iraq. Fire and fury as a military guy, Jack. What do you read into fire and fury? Is this conventional weaponry or is he threatening something else he has now drawn a far more stark a far more inflammatory a far more dangerous red line it it contradicts all of the traditions of american military history you know that blistering rhetoric is a real break from past presidents and it is being met with concern from republican and democratic lawmakers as a new poll shows that six out of ten americans are uneasy about president trump's ability to handle north korea This morning, some political leaders, even from the president's own party, concerned that the commander-in-chief's fiery warnings could further incite the already volatile North Korean leader. Having the president of the United States throw more fuel on this fire may make China think twice about how far down the road it wants to go in supporting U.S. actions on North Korea. Some Republicans and Democrats say the president's strong words are not helping the situation. Some Democrats took pause. Senator Ben Cardin of Maryland said Trump's comments once again show that he lacks the temperament. And Senator Dianne Feinstein said Trump was bombastic and is not helping the situation. What is going to happen and does the language of the president uh, help or hinder? It just doesn't help when our allies in the countries in the region can't tell whether it's Donald Trump or Kim Jong-un who's the crazier one. I don't know how you find common ground with someone you absolutely do not trust. I don't think I can work with him. As a matter of fact, I'm so worried about what his connections are with Putin and the Kremlin and those oligarchs in Russia. I'm so worried about Tillerson and whether or not Tillerson is there mainly to help get these sanctions lifted so that 
Trump and all of his allies and friends who are all around him involved in oil and gas and wanting these sanctions lifted. I'm so concerned that that's their main goal. And this is what they want to do to continue to enrich themselves. And so I don't trust him. I'm not going to be able to work with him. I believe that North Korea is interesting threats uh, to the United States. But I think there are some things that they want from us. And we have to find out whether or not we can work with them on the things that they're asking for. And so this is something that we should be very concerned about. But this is not the time to go bluffing and threatening. This is a time for diplomacy. Oh, just like John McCain, who wanted to bomb, 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 bomb Iran and Syria and let's see. Oh, North Korea and all now, these other places. Never mind if they get a nuclear weapon, when do we send them an airmail message to Tehran? <laughs> that, old, uh, that old Beach Boy song, Bomb Iran? <laughs> bomb, bomb, bomb. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so what you have is a great example of hypocrisy from both the right and the left on this issue. Joining us now, Rick Unger, Jonathan Gillum. Uh, A lot of hypocrisy there, Mr. Unger, and uh, I think the biggest hypocrite there is Maxine Waters and John McCain. (laughs) Yeah, I think everybody needs to calm down here a little bit. I mean, I I don't know that I would have handled it the way the president is, but then I'm more of a Teddy Roosevelt fan and, like, you know, speak softly, carry a big stick. But uh, I think everybody He's getting a little hyperbolic on all sides of this. They need to chill out. Well, it's not necessarily hyperbolic. They, I'm sorry, North Korea is now a nuclear-armed country, and you've got a— Well, actually, not yet. Well, actually, if you look at the— They're getting there more quickly than we thought they would. Yeah, but like in the next six weeks, that's pretty quick. So basically, we have to act as though they are armed, ready to go, and dangerous. Uh, I don't agree with your assessment at all, and all the military people I'm talking to, Jonathan Gillum's, say it's it's go time or forget it yeah i I mean i think we're getting sean we're getting to that point now where uh diplomacy um may have to take a back seat to a first strike because what do we wait do we wait until they hit guam do we wait until they come up with a missile that they can now hit the united states i mean this individual kim jong-un comes from a long line of warmongers that uh, just love to threaten and uh, hate anything that has to do with uh, anything but North Korea. What strikes me, though, about all those sound bites that you played, besides John McCain, not one of those individuals have ever been trained in the art of warfare. They've never served in the military. They have no clue. And thank goodness uh, that some of them aren't in saying that diplomacy is the only way to fight a war like Dianne Feinstein. We would be devastated. This country would have no borders. And we would be overran by terrorists and people that want to just take over this country if all we did was just diplomacy. You know, I, I've got to believe. Yeah, I, I, I have to question. I got to question the interpretation of history there. I mean, I'm no fan of North Korea, and I think they're all crazy. The, the generations that have run the country, but warmongers. The last war they were in was in the Korean War in the 50s. So I'm they not sure it. you can you can apply that. 
and I, and I think too that if you really look at what what the little guy's strategy is over there, he's just trying to have a you know a, a way to defend himself. We first strike. I hope you're at least allowing time to get the 100,000 Americans out of Seoul and the 35,000 United States troops off of the border. Well, I mean, I think that you could very quickly create a uh, no living zone from the border of Seoul inland, where we destroy every single piece of armament that they have for 100 miles in North Korea. And that wouldn't take yeah, I, I, black from, and white. From my understanding of the situation, that is, I, I've talked to military people about this, too. That's not going to happen. We don't know where they all are, and they are going to have more than enough time to launch, if not against us, against uh, South Korea and Japan. So I, I think we need to be a little more cautious. Than that. All right. Hey, hang, guys, hang right there. Hang on. We got some breaking news. The President is well. Let's get to the uh, president's press conference. We got it from the beginning, Jason. Let's let's hit that. We appreciate it. Uh, we are having a meeting today. We actually had a much larger group than this. This is uh, uh, the finals, but we uh, discussed many things. Uh, one of them, obviously, was North Korea. We discussed uh, Venezuela. We discussed Afghanistan and. The Middle East generally. Uh, we had some very good meetings, some very good ideas, very good thoughts, and a lot of decisions were made. This was a very important day, actually. Made a lot of decisions. Uh, with that, if you have any questions, yes. Do you make any decision on Afghanistan whether to uh, add additional. Yeah, we're getting close. We're getting very close. It's a very big decision for me. I took over a mess, and uh, we're going to. Make it a lot less messy, but that has been a place. Seventeen years, our longest wars. I read in one of your columns, and uh, frankly, it's uh, it's going to be a decision that's going to be made very soon. And do you have full confidence in international security advisors? Yes, I do, General McMaster. Yeah, absolutely. He's our friend. He's my friend, and he's a very talented man. I like him, and I respect him. Why did you decide to announce the transgender ban reversal a couple of weeks ago? And are you betraying a community that you pledged to support? No, no. Look, I have great respect for the community. I think I have great support, or I've had great support from that community. I got a lot of votes. Uh, but the uh, transgender, the military is working on it now. They're doing the work. Uh, it's been a very difficult situation. Uh, and I think I'm doing uh, a lot of people a favor by coming out and just say that, as you know, it's been a very complicated issue for the military. It's been a very confusing issue for the military. And I think I'm doing the military a great favor. Mr. President, do you have any response to the Russian president expelling uh, 755 workers from our entity? No, I, I want to thank him because we're trying to cut down on payroll. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I'm very thankful that he let go of a large number of people because now we have a smaller payroll. There's no real reason for them to go back. So I greatly appreciate the fact that they've been able to cut our payroll for the United States. Save, we'll save a lot of money. Mr. President, was it appropriate for the FBI to raid the home of Paul Manafort pre-dawn? I thought it was a very, very uh, uh, strong uh, signal or whatever. Uh, I know Mr. Manafort, I haven't spoken to him in a long time, but I know him. He was with the campaign, as you know, for a very short period of time, relatively short period of time. But I've always known him to be a good man. I thought it was a very, uh, uh, you know, 
They do that uh, uh, very seldom. So I was surprised to see it. I was very, very surprised to see have it. You spoken we to haven't the really FBI been involved. Excuse me? Have you spoken to the FBI director about it? or the No, I have not. General? I have not. But to do that early in the morning, uh, whether or not it was appropriate, you'd have to ask them. I've always found Paul Manafort <laughs> to be a very decent man. And he's like a lot of other people, probably makes consultant fees from all over the place. Who knows? I don't know. But uh, I thought that was a very, uh, that was pretty tough stuff. Mr. President, to wake him up, perhaps his family was there. I think that's pretty tough stuff. Mr. President, speaking of the Attorney General, have you, how would you categorize your relationship currently with Attorney General Sessions? Have you guys spoken about some of the differences you've had in the past? It's fine. It, it is what it is. It's fine. Uh, he's uh, working hard on the border. I'm very proud of what we've done on the border. I'm very proud of General Kelly, what he's done on the border. One of the reasons he's my chief of staff right now is because he did such an outstanding job at the border. Uh, we're down 78 percent. Nobody thought that would be. I mean, in the old days with other administrations, if you were down 1 percent, that was considered a big thing. We're down 78 percent at the border, and nobody thought that was possible. So I'm very proud of General Kelly. He's now chief of staff. At the same time, uh, I'm very proud of what we've done over the last six months between Supreme Court, between tremendous amounts of legislation that's been passed. You know, we had 42 to 48 bills passed. I'm not talking about just executive orders. I'm talking about bills passed. Uh, we had massive executive orders. We got rid of record-setting amounts of regulations. And a lot of it is statutory where it's a 90-day period, then you have to wait, then it's another 90-day period, you have to wait 30 days. Uh, much more is coming out. And I believe in regulation. You have to have some regulation. But we're going to have a small percentage of regulation compared to what we have. And I think that's why you see business enthusiasm is the highest it's been in 18 years why unemployment is the lowest it's been in 18 years, and then the unemployment rate just came out. It's the lowest it's been in 18 years. And with that being said, we have companies moving into the United States, whether it's Foxconn, you saw the two large auto companies moving back. Probably they'll go to Michigan, but they're negotiating with various states. Uh, we have had, we have done a lot in a short period of time, so I'm very proud of it. I think that uh, General Kelly is going to be a fantastic chief of staff, however. Mr. President, are you going to increase uh, the U.S. military presence in Asia? Uh, we are going to look at what's happening in Asia. We're looking at it right now. We're constantly looking at it. I don't like to signal what I'm going to be doing, but we are certainly looking at it. And obviously, we're spending a lot of time looking at, in particular, North Korea. And we are preparing for many different alternative events at North Korea. If, uh, uh, he has disrespected our country greatly. He has said things that are horrific. And with me, he's not getting away with it. He got away with it for a long time between him and his family. He's not getting away with it. It's a whole new ball game. And he's not going to be saying those things, and he's certainly not going to be doing those things. Uh, I read about we're in Guam by August 15th. Let's see what he does with Guam. He does something in Guam. It will be an event the likes of which nobody's seen before, what will happen in North Korea. And when you say that, what, what do you mean? You'll see. You'll see. And he'll see. It's not a dare. He will see. It's not a dare. It's a statement. It has nothing to do with dare. That's a statement. He's not going to go around threatening Guam, and he's not going to threaten the United States, and he's not going to threaten Japan, and he's not going to threaten South Korea, 
Now, that's not a, a dare, as you say. That is a statement of fact. Mr. President, can you talk about the nuclear posture and what your priorities are there? Yeah, nuclear to me, number one, I would like to denuke the world. I know that President Obama said global warming is the biggest threat. I totally disagree. I say that it's a simple one. Nuclear is our greatest threat worldwide. Not even a question, not even close. So I'd like to denuke the world. I would like Russia and the United States. And All right, China. for our stations across the Sean Hannity Show network, we're going to stay with this uh, through the break until the top of the hour. Stay right there as we continue the Sean Hannity Show. The most powerful nuclear nation on Earth by far. Uh, the first order I gave to my generals, as you know, you know, Mike, uh, my first order was I want this, our nuclear arsenal, to be the biggest and the finest in the world. And we spent a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of effort. And it's in tip-top shape and getting better and getting stronger. And until such time as this scourge disappears, we will be so much better and so much stronger than anybody else. And nobody, including North Korea, is going to be threatening us with anything. Sure. Sir, what specifically have you changed in the nuclear arsenal? And the reason I ask is that a lot of experts yesterday, in response to your tweet, said that modernizing the arsenal takes many years. Uh, it can't be done in six months. It's a long process that's only just begun. We've done a lot of modernization, but we've done a lot of renovation. And we have it now in very, very good shape. And it will be in much better shape over the next six months to a year. Mr. President, it's a, it's a very important thing. Actually, it was the first... Uh, military is very important to me. As you know, I did yeah. extremely well with the military vote, Mike and I. But uh, we are, my first order was we have to do the military, but before we do the military per se, we're going to do the nuclear. And we are in very strong shape. We are going to be increasing our budget by many billions of dollars because of North Korea and other reasons having to do with the anti-missile. So we are going to be increasing our budget by many billions of dollars. We'll probably be able to report that over the next week. As you know, we reduced it by 5%, but I've decided I don't want that. We're going to be increasing the anti-missiles by uh, a substantial amount of billions of dollars. Mr. President, can you share with us your latest thoughts on Iran, speaking of nuclear deals, and the, whether you feel like they are in compliance or will be in compliance? I don't think Iran is in compliance. Uh, we wrote them a very tough letter uh, to the, as you know, to the Congress. Uh, I personally don't think they're in compliance, but we have time. And we're going to see. We also put down a lot of defaults or potential default situations. Uh, I don't think they're living up to the spirit of the agreement. President Obama, in his wisdom, gave them $150 billion. He gave them $1.8 billion in cash, which is, that's a hard one to figure. But that was his decision. I think it's a horrible agreement. But they are not in compliance with the agreement, and they are certainly not in the spirit of the agreement in compliance. And uh, I think you'll see some very strong things taking place if they don't get themselves in compliance. But I do not believe they are in compliance right now. Mr. President, what's the latest on the leak investigation that the Attorney General announced late last week? And is there any separate investigation that you're... Yeah, we're sure. We're looking. We're always looking. You have two leaks. You have the leaks coming out of intelligence and various departments having to do with Syria, having to do with all sorts of different places, having to do, frankly, with North Korea. And those are very serious. And then you have the leaks where people want to love me. 
and they're all fighting for love. <laughs> Those are not very important, but certainly we don't like them. Those are little inner White House leaks. They're not very important, but actually I'm somewhat honored by them. Uh, but the important leaks to me and the leaks that the Attorney General is looking at very strongly are the leaks coming out of intelligence, and we have to stop them for the security and the national security of our country. Mr. President, you're passing notes to the special counsel, Bob Muir. Can you talk a little bit about what those... No, that not notes. Can... We're working with them. I mean, we have a situation which is very unusual. Everybody said there's no collusion. Uh, you look at the counsels, they come in. We have a Senate hearing. We have judiciary. We have intelligence. And we have a House hearing. And everybody walks out, even the enemies. They said, no, well, there's no collusion. There's no collusion. So they're investigating something that never happened. Uh, there was no collusion between us and Russia. In fact, the opposite. Russia spent a lot of money on fighting me. And if you think about it, I want a strong military. You see, our budget is up by, it will be hundreds of billions of dollars soon, our military budget. Russia doesn't like that. Hillary was going to cut the budget, substantially, the military budget. Russia is very important for Russia. Oil. Oil and gas. Uh, we are now an exporter because of an incredible six months that I had, an exporter of oil and gas. That's bad for Russia. I always said, I don't think Russia wants me because I want a strong military and I want low energy prices. Energy is a disaster. Low energy prices is a disaster for Russia. Additionally, it seems that Russia spent a lot of money on that false report, and that was Russian money. And I think it was Democrat money, too. You could say that was collusion. Plus, the Democrats colluded on the Ukraine, so they colluded. And then when you get down to it, why isn't the FBI looking at the DNC server? You have a server that they refuse, the Democrats refuse to give to the FBI. Now, I don't know how the FBI can investigate something if the DNC, the Democrats, refuse to give the server. So we have an investigation of something that never took place. And all I say is work with them, because this is an event that never took place. Now, as far as somebody else where, did they file the right papers, or did they forget to file a paper? You know, I, I guarantee if you went around and looked at everybody that made a speech or whatever these people did, that's up to them. Uh, did they do something wrong because they didn't file the right document or whatever? Perhaps you'll have to look at them, but I guarantee you this, probably a lot of people in Washington did the same thing. Mr. President, given your harsh criticism of Democrats, just now, how are you going to bring them in on things like infrastructure or... Well, we'll have to see. I'm not sure that we will bring them in. I mean, maybe we'll bring them in, maybe not. I think the infrastructure bill will be bipartisan. In fact, frankly, I may have more support from the Democrats. I want a very strong infrastructure bill. We've, as of this moment, spent over $6 trillion in the Middle East. As far as I'm concerned, when I say spent, we've wasted $6 trillion. All right, a very informative uh, support for for McMaster, 9,000 people out of the federal government. He talked at length about the raid of Paul Manafort's home and how, wow, that was pretty tough stuff and probably not the norm, early morning raid. Uh, Jeff Sessions, more moderate voice of support, and he talked a lot about the success of the border and General Kelly, um, also a lot about North Korea and, yeah, if he does something to Guam, the likes of which the world has never seen, not a dare statement of fact. And he's up. Uh, he's going to spend more money to update our nuclear facilities, anti-missile ballistics and much, much more. And, uh, well, the Democrats want to work with him. Fine. Not fine. All right. 
That and much more coming up here on the Sean Hannity Show. He says Iran, by the way, is not living up to the nuclear deal. All coming up. We'll get to that. We have to get into the investigative things that the president mentioned as well. Straight ahead. All right. News roundup information overload. Now, the president just talked about North Korea, McMaster, uh, Sessions, how he's going to deal. It's a statement of fact if they go after Guam, North Korea. Also, Iran not living up to their stuff. We're going to get to that in just a minute. But first, let me uh, remind you of what Rod Rosenstein said over the weekend. You had to sign an order authorizing the appointment of a special counsel. And you said that he was authorized to investigate any coordination with Russia and, I want to put these words on the screen, any matters that arose or may arise directly from the investigation. My question is, does that mean that there are no red lines that Mueller or any special counsel can investigate under the terms of your order anything he finds. Chris, the special counsel is subject to the rules and regulations of the Department of Justice, and uh, we don't engage in fishing expeditions. Now, that order that you read, that doesn't detail specifically who may be the subject of the investigation, because we don't reveal that publicly. Uh, But Bob Mueller understands, and I understand, uh, the specific scope of the investigation, uh, and so, no, it's not a fishing expedition. I I understand it's not a fishing expedition, but you say any matters that arose or may arise directly from the investigation. In the course of his investigation of the issues that he is looking at, if he finds evidence of a crime, can he look at that? Well, Chris, if he finds evidence of a crime that's within the scope of what uh, Director Mueller and I have agreed is the appropriate scope of his investigation, then he can. If it's something outside that scope, he needs to come to the acting attorney general, at this time me, for permission to expand his investigation. But we don't talk about that publicly. And so the speculation you've seen in the news media, that's not anything that I've said. It's not anything Director Mueller said. We don't know who's saying it or who cred- how credible those sources I mean- are. People ask about this, of course, because you have Ten Star and Whitewater, and it began with a failed real estate deal in Arkansas and ended up with Monica Lewinsky. To to expand, he would need to get approval from you to expand the nature of the investigation. That's correct, just as did Ken Starr. You know, Ken Starr received an expansion, which I believe was initiated by the Department of Justice by Janet Reno, that resulted in that investigation. All right, news roundup and information overload. One of my biggest complaints is it seems that this is a fishing expedition. And, of course, the many, many conflicts of Robert Mueller that I keep talking about, not the least of which is hiring Hillary's attorney uh, and eight attorneys that have donated to Obama, Democrats, or Hillary Clinton. Makes no sense. Not one has donated to any Republican. I said last night on TV, and I'll reiterate today, Paul Manafort has made a huge error. Instead of doing the things that Hillary Clinton did, and I'm sorry, that means, oh, he should have deleted subpoenaed emails. He should have acid washed and bleach bit his computers, his hard drives and his servers. Uh, He should have taken a hammer to his varying devices like Blackberries and iPhones or have somebody do it for him. And if he did send anything to the FBI before their pre-dawn raid, in terms of devices, it certainly should not have had any SIM cards in them, which render them useless. Could have followed the example of Hillary Clinton or the example of Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Government hard drives smashed into itty-bitty pieces in the garage of the IT guy who had double-billed and had people hired that apparently had no IT experience. Or he could have taken the example of... Eric Holder and just refused to hand over anything and they all disappeared. That's what Eric Holder did. Or he could have had meetings on the tarmac on a plane and talk about grandkids like Loretta Lynch did with Bill Clinton just before a decision's made. You get my point. Joining us now, Joe DeGeneva. He is the 
with the Washington firm, law firm, DeGeneva Tunsing. And also with us, Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst. Thank you both for being with us. Joe DeGeneva, I mean, look, I, I know everything that I'm saying here sarcastically is I'm saying that Paul Manafort, before his pre-dawn raid, should have committed crimes. <laughs> but apparently there's no consequences if you commit crimes like that, so he should have done it, right? Yeah, well, no, no, and you don't mean it either. But the, No, the truth, I don't. The, the, the truth is, if you're a Democrat, you can get away with a lot. And uh, James Comey and Hillary Clinton and, and Loretta Lynch proved that there's a double standard of justice in America. There should have been a grand jury in the Hillary Clinton email matter. There wasn't one. Comey did that purposely. Loretta Lynch did that purposely. Why were there no subpoenas? Why were there no search warrants in those cases where there was a clear violation of the Espionage Act? The truth is that this is this. There exists, and it is playing out today, a double standard. I don't know if, if Paul Manafort did anything. And obviously, if he violated the law, then obviously he's, he's a man enough to take the consequences. This is not about that. This is about process. This is about two standards of justice in America. One, if you're a liberal, a progressive, and a Democrat. The other, if you're a Republican and a conservative. The consequences of this over the long haul, for the lack of public confidence in the judicial process and the Department of Justice investigative process, are serious. They're very serious. And I, I'm just, I'm so furious about the fact that nothing was done, nothing was done to truly investigate Hillary Clinton. And there's nothing that anybody can do about it at this point unless they want to reopen those cases. I favor that. I favor that. I favor investigating that through the Clinton Foundation, finally establishing a grand jury to investigate that and the bribery that went on at the State Department when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State. You have a right to be mad. I'm mad. And there's a reason to be mad. If we're going to have equal justice under the law, and I think Joe is pointing out the long-term impact of all of this, Greg Jarrett, I mean, if you really think this through, and Hillary can get away with deleting subpoenaed emails in the tens of thousands and, and the bleach bit and the acid wash and the smashing and the and the no SIM card game of hers. And then Uranium One, as, as Joe rightly mentions, if all of that can happen, and I'm being sarcastic because I really would never encourage Paul Manafort or anybody to break the law. I think you've got to obey the law. But yeah, if she I'm gets away with it, we don't have equal justice under the law. And the damage, long-term damage to the justice system is what? Well, we now know that, uh, and Joe's right, the James Comey investigation, um, together with Loretta Lynch, of Hillary Clinton was never a real investigation. It looks increasingly like the fix was in. How do we know that? Well, they never convened a grand jury over the course of a year-long investigation, even though they gave five different witnesses immunity. Others took the fifth. Hillary Clinton wasn't sworn under oath when she interviewed briefly with the FBI and could only remember her name and date of birth and nothing else. Um, and then James Comey lays out a... By the way, you're, you're more sarcastic than I am. I thought I was pretty bad. <laughs> Comey lays out a perfect, compelling case of how she violated the espionage Act and then jumps to the erroneous conclusion that no reasonable prosecutor would bring the case when I think just about every prosecutor in America would have been lick, licking their chops. There was so much evidence. They'd love to bring a case like that. Comey twisted and tortured the law. It's it's not intent to break the law. It's in, intentional acts that break the law. And, you know, this wasn't a real and serious investigation. So now the House Judiciary Committee has called for a second special counsel to do a real 
investigation of Hillary Clinton, and that should be done. All right. So, I, well, we know Ed Klein he used to work for Time magazine. I think he's one of the, the major editors over there. And uh, we now know that he's reporting today. A longtime Clinton attorney was told late last month that the former FBI director's decision last July not to prosecute Hillary, that the Justice Department has reexamined the email case and believes there are ample grounds for prosecuting Hillary on a number of counts. Is that all possible? It's happening and it hasn't been leaked and we don't know? Joe DeGeneva. Uh, it may be. Uh, I, I was shocked to hear, uh, because we hadn't heard anything about the investigation of the criminal leaks of classified information. The other day, when uh, Dan Coates, the director of national intelligence, and Jeff Sessions, the, insp- the attorney general, held a press conference about the leaks of classified information, they indicated that there were, in fact, criminal investigations underway. Now, they did not say they were about the various leaks, such as the president's telephone transcripts with foreign leaders or things like that. But I cannot believe that those things are not under investigation. They must be under investigation. Otherwise, the notion that people who take an oath, get a green check every two weeks, can just with impunity reveal classified information to the press is absurd. And that's why, as much as I hate to say it, if you're going to issue subpoenas and search warrants, you better start issuing them to news organizations because that's the only way you're going to find it. And that doesn't mean you're going to prosecute the news organization. Well, what do you mean by that? Because you know what? I have sources that nobody else has, Joe, and I don't really want – I mean, what would – well, if you were my attorney, for example, and, and – I'd fight like hell for you not to turn it over. <laughs> but the problem is if you're going to find out who the leakers are uh, – first of all, I would subpoena – all the telephone records and emails of everybody that has access to all these information. You can do that. It's perfectly legal. Once you have a grand jury and you're trying to find out who a leaker is, you can get the phone and email records of anybody who works for the federal government or doesn't work for the federal government. I mean, you can do the journalists last because you don't need to get to them. But ultimately, if you have to, you got to do it. Well, Greg? Going after journalists is a bit of a morass, although actually if you look at the statute on um, uh, publishing classified information, it makes a crime to not only disseminate but publish. But, of course, under the Pentagon Papers case, the Supreme Court set some limited First Amendment (coughs) standards to protect journalists. So, I mean, you would get into a legal quagmire there. But, of course, we have seen uh, judges holding contempt of court, <laughs> not criminally prosecuted, but contempt of court. <laughs> Journalists like uh, Judith Miller in the yep. Valerie Plain case to try to force her to cough up a source. Don't you think in the Manafort case that really that there's going to at some point, especially with the people we know that Mueller appointed, they're going to say, Paul, Paul, just give us a name. Just, you know, you'll go free. Don't worry about it. Otherwise, you're facing 30 years in jail. You'll die in jail. Is that conversation going to take place, likely? Well, well uh, it took place in the Valerie Plain manner because uh, Scooter Libby was told by Patrick Fitzgerald, we'll drop the whole case. This was before he was indicted. We'll drop everything if you'll give us what you have on Cheney. Well, of course, he didn't have anything on Cheney because Dick Cheney didn't break the law. But that is exactly what happened there. And, you know, Mueller, is, that a, is that a common tactic, Joe? Oh, absolutely. It happens all the time when you try to... So in other words, well, I... They I, might do I, that with, with Manafort, although I, I can't imagine Manafort has anything on Trump. He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't uh, the the head of the campaign for more than a couple of months. Yeah, I I agree with Joe completely. I mean, he wasn't there long enough to know anything. And after a year's investigation, there's still no evidence uh, of the Trump campaign colluding with Russia. And even if they did, it's not a crime. Right. Uh, So you know, I find it hard to believe that they 
they'll try to flip Manafort, but I don't think they can get anything from him. I mean, Manafort may be in trouble for things like failing to properly register as a foreign agent. Right. Maybe his financial dealings weren't completely on the up and up. But that has nothing to do with President Trump. Quick break. We'll come back. Joe DeGeneva and Greg Jarrett are with us. All right, as we continue, Joe DeGeneva, DeGeneva and Tunsing is with us. Greg Jarrett, my friend and colleague from the Fox uh, News Channel, is with us. You know, there is this grand jury that we now know has been convened, Joe, and we learned something a little bit today about who the judge is in this particular case. Um, do you Are you aware of Beryl Howell? I know who it is, but I have never appeared before this person or know much about them. Yeah, well, these... I can tell you a little about her. Okay. Uh, She is the one who's presiding, uh, we believe, over the D.C. grand jury. That's correct. Uh, Which which means she is making the decisions on subpoenas and witness testimony, any potential executive privilege and Fifth Amendment assertions. And guess what, Sean? In the past, she worked very closely with former Attorney General Loretta Lynch and one of Robert Mueller's top staff attorneys in this case, the special counsel case, Andrew Weissman. In fact, uh, Judge Howell and Weissman co-authored a scholarly law article that explored, guess what? obstruction of justice and that of course just happens to be part of what Mueller is reportedly investigating i I just can't believe joe i'm reading this and even though she worked for democrats on the senate judiciary committee oh but she's a very straight arrow (laughs) why am i not buying that well you know i've i've given up trying to find all the contacts and the cross references here because they're everywhere uh in this case i i I for one cannot understand why bob Mueller did not from the very beginning try to understand the optics of hiring all these democrats and people who had given to hillary clinton i mean it is such an awful appearance uh and i don't care how brave and how bold and how honest bob Mueller is appearances do matter for something we've been told this for years by the democrats even the whiff of a you know a minor hint of a smell is supposed to destroy someone's career and yet when it happens in a situation like this they just don't care about it i you know i i'm 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 apoplectic about how Bob Mueller has forgotten that appearances matter. I've heard people say he's naive and he's not political. For heaven's sakes, you don't have to be naive or political to worry about the appearances of something like this, but apparently he doesn't think there's anything wrong. I can only say this. If there are charges that come out of this and they involve anybody other than Manafort, the, the, the amount of evidence that exists better be damn good for for him to have any credibility when the process is over. I really think we have this investigative creep that is scaring me. Do you both see that, Greg? Do you see we start? Go ahead. (laughs) Well, I mean, I totally do. And it was such a farce and a charade for Rosenstein on Fox News Sunday to say, oh, well, you know, it'll be within the scope of the investigation. And otherwise, uh, Mueller would have to get permission to go beyond the scope. There is no scope. I'm looking at Rosenstein's uh, directive the day he appointed Robert Mueller. And the third line is any other matters, which which is carte blanche. To go, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you can go after Greg Jarrett for a traffic violation here. Any other matter. Yeah, there are no real limits on this investigation, no matter what Rod said. And God bless him. I'm sure he's being honest and forthright. But the truth is, I can't imagine Rod saying no to him. Under what circumstances would he said no if you made a request to expand it? It's well, not going to well, happen. What if he gets involved in it? He could be a potential witness in the whole thing. But, uh, he is. He is. That's a good he point. Is yeah. a prosecutor, investigator, right. and a witness all rolled into one. Rosenstein is. All right, guys, I got to roll. Thank you, Greg Jarrett. Thank you, Joe DeGeneva. Appreciate all your uh, hard work. 
accountable. Sean gets the answers no one else does. America deserves to know the truth about Congress. It's clear that any serious attempt to improve our health care system must begin with full repeal and replacement of Obamacare, a mission I remain fully committed to fighting on behalf of the people of Arizona. He's lived through a battle or two, vanquished many a foe. But perhaps no battle in our lifetime is more vital than the one John McCain fights now. A battle to save America, save our jobs. John McCain leads the charge to slash government spending, bloated bureaucracies, and ridiculously unaffordable ideas like government-run health care. President Obama is leading an extreme left-wing crusade to bankrupt America. I stand in his way every day. If I get a bruise or two knocking some sense into heads in Washington, so be it. I'll keep fighting for jobs and economic growth for Arizona as long as I'm in the Senate. John McCain is Arizona's last line of defense. Character matters. I'm John McCain, and I approve this message. Paid for by friends of John McCain. There's only one way to truly fix Obamacare. Only one way. And that's a full repeal. A full repeal. That's been our goal from the start. That's our goal now. And we plan to achieve it. I think more than half of my members have not served under a Republican president. Over half the House Republicans have not served under a Republican president. When you have a president of a different party... You can freelance all you want to. You know, go have press conferences. You guys show up with a 10-point plan to do this or that. (laughs) Uh, But now we have an actual chance to change the country. We have somebody who will sign legislation that we pass. We need to get into a governing mode and start thinking about actually achieving something rather than just kind of sparring and having press conferences, which you all all love, but don't necessarily lead to an outcome. We're in the outcome business now. The American people have elected more Republicans during the Obama years at all levels of government since the 1920s. They wanted to go in a different direction, and we have an obligation to do that on health care, on deregulation, which we're working consistently on, on confirming a great Supreme Court justice and doing the first comprehensive tax reform since 1986. We need to deliver. All right, Mitch McConnell, of course, repeal, replace, Obamacare. And then, of course, we had John McCain. Yeah, he's the champion. He's the courageous guy. He's out there. Repeal, replace, Obamacare, one of the biggest disappointments. There is a primary next Tuesday in the state of Alabama, and Mo Brooks, I've known for 27 years, I've endorsed him in his candidacy. There's been a bit of a battle over the, the president's endorsement this week. Uh, and Mo Brooks, Congressman Mo Brooks, joins us now. He's a member of the Freedom Caucus. I proudly support him. And, you know, let me first get into the issue of, I guess, the endorsement issue. And you had a great relationship. I know you've had a developing, let me put it this way, I think a developing relationship with President Trump that's gotten better and better and better. But... Um, do you think the endorsement issue was more about you were pretty hard against them during the campaign? Well, I think the endorsement issue was really about Mitch McConnell in the swamp being able to put a decades long Washington lobbyist into the United States Senate in hopes of keeping him there. That's Luther Strange, decades long Washington lobbyist. He fits right in. 
it's not about me because there are eight other candidates in the Republican primary who are opposing Luther Strange, uh, the decades-long Washington lobbyist. So uh, I'm, I'm baffled by it, particularly in light of the criticism that President Trump has leveled against Mitch McConnell. It doesn't make any sense if you're dissatisfied with Mitch McConnell to then go and uh, endorse Mitch McConnell's guy. So Mitch McConnell must have met with uh, President Trump and really offered something uh, in exchange for uh, this endorsement. Now, what it may be, I have no idea. And I'm not sure, you know, the president's pretty busy, and he's got a lot of people pulling at him. And I don't know if he's had a chance to, to look at what's been going on here in the state of Alabama or to look at the record of Luther Strange. But one of the biggest issues is this 60% rule, the filibuster rule, that uh, blocks President Trump's entire agenda. And President Trump has figured it out. He wants to go to majority rule in the United States Senate. He wants to get rid of that 60% rule that empowers um, Chuck Schumer and the Democrats to block every single constructive thing we conservatives want to do. And I'm with President Trump on that issue. Luther Strange on April the 7th signed a letter urging, urging Chuck Schumer, the Democrat leader, and Mitch McConnell to keep the 60% rule that kills the entire agenda for conservatives. Oh, that is the, that, that the is so for Republicans and for President Trump. So it's just baffling to me. That is so dumb. That is so dangerous. That is that you know because look, the Democrats don't play fair by the rules. You know, look at how the Republicans gave Obama all of his appointments and an up or down vote. They did it very quickly. And same with Supreme Court nominees. Expeditiously, you'd get a vote and. You know, the, the Democrats don't play by those rules. They play by very different rules. I don't know what the relationship is with Mitch, but it doesn't seem good between him and the president. The president tweeted out, Mitch, get back to work and put repeal and replace and tax reform and cuts and great infrastructure bills on my desk for signing. You can do it. And can you believe Mitch McConnell, who has screamed repeal and replace for seven years, couldn't get it done? We must repeal and replace Obamacare. Senator McConnell said, I had excessive uh, expectations. I don't think so after seven years of hearing repeal and replace. Why isn't it done? And they couldn't even get the, the skinny bill done, uh, a Congressman, and that, that angers me. Well, it ought to anger you, and it ought to be angering uh, the American people. You know, Donald Trump, he promised us that he was going to drain the swamp. And in this instance, what is the swamp? The swamp are the K Street lobbyists. The swamp are the special interest groups that put their interests above America's interests, and with their money, they seduce congressmen and senators into voting the wrong way. Well, in this particular race, the decades-long lobbyist, Luther Strange, is the swamp's candidate. And so I hope uh, that the president will reconsider uh, the position he has taken, particularly in light of what I hope will be information that is coming to him uh, about the nominee uh, of the Republican Party, that he wants to put in place for this Senate race against the Democrats in December. We'll see how it all plays out. Uh, but on our end, we're fighting hard. We're in a tough three-person race right now. Out of nine candidates, it's pretty much coalesced around Mo Brooks, myself, Luther Strange, and uh, Judge Roy Moore. Two of us will make the runoff. And if there are people out there, Sean, that want to help, please they can go to MoBrooksForSenate.com, MoBrooksForSenate.com. Help me ditch the Mitch. Yeah. 
Well, look, I, uh, I'm i not sure if endorsements really pay, play that big a role. I guess we'll see whether it does or not. I know how popular you are in northern Alabama, and, and that's the Huntsville, Decatur, and Athens area. I know people are very supportive of you, and they've known you for many, many years. And I, I know that the people of Birmingham are pretty supportive of you as well. And how are you doing down in southern Alabama, in Montgomery, in those areas? Well, we're competitive in most parts of the state. Of course, I'm strongest. Um, in North Alabama, where people know me the best, and this Luther Strange negative attack ad, uh, basically a carpet bombing of my reputation, it gets people mad in North Alabama because they know it's not true. They know I'm not a Nancy Pelosi ally. They know I don't support the Islamic State. Oh, good. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That, listen. Defense, but yet that's what Luther Strange is saying about me in, in his attack ads, and they're just crazy. But in South Alabama and Middle Alabama, they don't know me as well as, say, Sean Hannity does. And, Sean, you can attest I'm nothing like those attack ads. Uh, listen, Congressman, I've known you for 27 years. I mean, you're one of the hardest working, more principled uh, guys that I know. And the more important thing is, unlike a lot of these guys, you keep your promises. You know, I, I got to tell you, one of the saddest things that I think I've ever seen in my life is how many Republicans just do not have any desire to keep simple, basic, fundamental promises, and they're willing to break them. And I didn't like the whole deal as it went down with the appointment of Luther Strange. And I don't know the guy, but everything that I read about him is, yeah, he seems like a pretty establishment guy, and that bothers me. And the people of Alabama, I know they're very supportive of President Trump. And uh, I would tend to agree with you that uh, maybe maybe I I would imagine the president doesn't know you as well as I do. And and maybe this guy made an appeal to him behind the scenes that he promised that he'd be supportive of the president's agenda. I don't know, but it doesn't sound like it based on his previous actions where yours does. Well, if you've got a senator who is supporting the 60 percent rule, you can say all you want that you're going to vote for the president's bills. But they only get a vote if you first get past that 60 percent threshold well agreed right now, we got it we got it we got to go to that we've got lined up they can't get uh to the 60 percent threshold so they don't come up for a four vote so it doesn't make any difference we've got to change the 60 percent uh rule in the senate that chuck schumer is using to kill our entire legislative agenda all right let me ask you one last question what can people do this takes place on tuesday this is a big primary and what can people do to help Mo Brooks down in Alabama? Well, first, if they want to help, go to MoBrooksForSenate.com. MoBrooksForSenate.com. Help us change Mitch McConnell out as the majority leader and get a bold, new, conservative, uh, somebody who's got the energy, someone who's got the commitment to actually fight for the values that we have, not just go through the motions. Second thing you can yeah. do is, I'm, as, again, I'm getting par- carpet bombed by all sorts of negative ads. Right. Don't take Luther Strange's word for it. Don't take my word for it on who I am. Listen to Sean Hannity. Listen to Laura Ingram. Listen to Mark Levin. Listen to the Tea Party Patriots. Listen to the Senate Conservatives Fund. Look at my record with Heritage Action. Look at my record with Numbers USA on border security. Go to third-party sources and decide for yourself who's telling the truth, and I think you'll discern relatively quickly that if you want someone who's got a spotless ethics record, the United States Senate, who puts his country first. And if you want a principled conservative, then you'll vote for Mo Brooks. All right, Mo Brooks, that takes place Tuesday in the great state of Alabama. I lived there for a number of years, and I got to know 
Mo personally around, I guess, 1990 thereabouts. And uh, I wish you the best, Congressman. You've been a real champion with the Freedom Caucus, frankly, the only group of people I honestly trust anymore. And uh, I know you're working hard. We wish you all the best on Tuesday. We'll be watching very closely. Uh, Mo Brooks on the Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. Uh, if you want to be a part of the program, let's go to Lynette. She's in Claremont in Florida. Lynette, hi, how are you? And welcome to the program. Um, thank you for having me. What's going on? Well, I have Obamacare. I was forced to get this last year because I don't get insurance through my employer. And I got married in October. Congratulations. They back. Thank you. They want me to pay back the $2,400 that they gave me when they forced me to get Obamacare. I mean, we've got to do something. We've got to repeal, replace, or do something. And if you, Mitch O'Connell can't get it done, we need to put someone in there that can. Absolutely. It's getting, it's getting ridiculous. You know, look. They, they, yeah, go ahead. You they go. want me to come up with $2,400 now to pay back my insurance that they forced me to get. $2,400. You just got married. They want the money back. That's a lot of money. That's yeah. that's a lot of money. Just like an $8,000 premium increase for a lot of people is a lot of money. 116% increase in premiums in Arizona, Senator McCain. That's a lot of money. People and are I suffering. I couldn't get it anywhere else. I mean, I, they forced me to go through the marketplace, and I couldn't get I didn't get married in January. Well, when I filed my taxes, they take it as if I got married in January. So, even though I got married in October, I couldn't go on my husband's insurance until October. So now they want their money back. I'm like, really? I'm going to have to go do a GoFundMe plan or something to get this money. I'm so sorry. I, you know, I and I got to imagine, you know, you're trying to start life and, and get your family going, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. All right, well, Lynette, thank you for the call. You're in my prayers. Thank you so much. 800-941-SEAN. want them to get repeal and replace done. I've been hearing repeal and replace now for seven years, but I've only been doing this for two years, and I've really only been doing this for six months, but I've been running. So now it's almost two years, and all I hear is repeal and replace. And then I get there, and I said, where's the bill? I want to sign it first day, and they don't have it. And they passed repeal and replace, but they never had a president, frankly, or a Senate. That was going to do it, but they never had a president, so it didn't matter. So I say very simply, where is repeal and replace? But I said, Mitch, get to work and let's get it done. They should have had this last one done. They lost by one vote. For a thing like that to happen is a disgrace. And frankly, it, it shouldn't have happened. That I can tell you. It shouldn't Senator McConnell considered stepping down as majority leader. There's some conservative analysts, including Sean Hannity, say it's time for him to retire. Well, I'll tell you what, if he doesn't get repeal and replace done, and if he doesn't get taxes done, meaning cuts and reform, and if he doesn't get a very easy one to get done infrastructure, if he doesn't get them done, then you can ask me that question. All right, we'll have all of this tonight, 10 Eastern on Fox News, the president ratcheting up against Senator McConnell and the North Korean nuclear threat. That's all coming up tonight at 10. What options are there? We've got Lieutenant uh, Colonel Tony Schaefer, General Jack Keane. We're going to check in with Mike Waltz, John Bolton tonight. Also, the president versus Senator McConnell, Lou Dobbs tonight. How did my name come up at this presser? Lanny Davis on how to deal with controversy and problems and also more left-wing hate that we will deal with. 10 Eastern, Hannity Fox. See you back here tomorrow. See you tonight at 10. 
hey, if you want a firearm that is easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Now, it is a portable rifle that you can put together, take apart in just minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case that it comes in. It's so small, you can store it pretty much anywhere. And it's light enough to carry everywhere. Now, it comes in black and two different camo patterns. And you can pick one up for three to 400 bucks, depending on the finish. Check out their videos. Go to their website. It's one word, henryusa.com slash survival. And while you're there, make sure you order their free catalog. Now, Henry makes more than 200 rifles and shotguns and revolvers, all made in America, all backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website, henryusa.com. Get their free catalog. They'll send you free decals and a list of dealers where you are. That's henryusa.com. Free catalog decals for the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. You know, since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans. Now, they are the heroes that put their lives on the line for our communities and our country. Heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan Turnbull. Now, Major Turnbull sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber. Now, the complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye. He needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers thankfully paid off his mortgage, and they gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. His home also gives him hope. And with the help of people like you, the foundation supports families like the Turnbulls. Join Tunnel to Towers. This is a great mission. They support America's heroes. They're hoping all of us will donate $11 a month so this great work continues. Their website, the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org. The letter T, the number two, the letter T.org. The letter T, the number two, the letter T.org for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.